There are shows with psychics. And there are shows with doctors. But there's no show like the psychic and the doc. Your practical paranormal power unleashed. This show synthesizes the talents of world-class medium Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer, psychic explorer, and street smart spiritualist, behavioral psychologist, Dr. Pat Vasily. All subjects are on the table and no topic is taboo. Inspiration, insight, action, and fun as Mark Anthony connects callers with loved ones in spirit in tandem with Dr. Pat's fresh, no-nonsense, street-smart, intuitive insights. And she is hilarious. Extraordinary problems require extraordinary solutions, which may come from this side or the other side. This is The Psychic and The Doc. And And it starts now. Welcome to The Psychic and The Doc. This is our special Halloween episode, and we have the best Halloween guest ever, don't we, Dr. Pat? Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I know, we are so honored to have Dr. Dedrick Hilton, and he is an internationally known spiritualist, parapsychologist, UFOologist, and radio host among, and that's just um, the tip of the iceberg of this, this guy's credentials. Dr. Hilton has a master's degree from South Carolina University, and he's currently enrolled in a seminary, a Celtic Cross Communication International Priesthood, where he's studying exorcism. He's appeared on Travel Channel's Haunted Hospitals and Paranormal Revenge. He's also starred in Amityville Karen and was featured in the documentary Georgetown University Hoodoo 21st Century. Dr. Hilton is the founder of HLPN Newsweekly, which delves into the world of the unknown and paranormal. Welcome to the Psychic and the Doc, Dr. Dedrick Hilton. It's great to have you here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me, everyone. Good afternoon to everyone that's out there. How's everyone today? Uh, we're better that you're here now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, now Mark don't Mark and I don't have to make stuff up about something we don't know a whole lot about, but wish we did. <laughs> you know what's so, so cool about the psychic and the doc, right? Obviously, I'm the psychic and Dr. Pat is the doc and she's a behavioral psychologist. But Dr. Hilton, you're a parapsychologist. So for the right. benefit of our audience, can you explain what a parapsychologist is and what a parapsychologist does? All right, for start, I just want to start off by saying parapsychologists, the stereotype that people have is that we chase ghosts. That's not necessarily true. We, uh, parapsychologists are real psychologists. They just happen to uh, select to study and focus in parapsychology. But we also do study uh, behavioral psychology, like B, from B.F. Skinner and other theorists. But parapsychologists, we deal with near-death experiences, people that might have suffered trauma or near-death experiences and were brought back to life, and they might have potentially developed uh, any type of psychic abilities and so forth or any other abilities. But uh, parapsychologists also spends a lot of time in a research lab, too. I want to make that clear. Yeah, yeah. Deal with a lot of data and um, a lot of experimentations. Yeah, I'm so glad you made that point. And I'll tell you why I made, I'm so glad you made that point is because you know and I know over time, whatever you say, and Mark too, with his own JD, whatever you do somewhere along the way, somebody's gonna say to you something like, you don't really have any evidence. Like I, I can't tell you how many times that said to me, 
like of my research, and then I have to send them my research, right? Uh, but we're talking about a passion that's fueled empirically as well as anecdotally, meaning numbers, statistics, methods, science, and stories. Don't we have to have both of those together to help people get a bigger picture? I absolutely agree. The data matters and your research methods matter in order to come to a proper conclusion. Hey, that's the, um, what I love about, about the work that you do and also about the Psychic and the Doc Show. And Dr. Pat, um, as usual, she hit the nail on the head, evidence. People are always saying, oh, you don't have evidence. Uh, people tell me, oh, you're not really talking to spirits. You're cold reading. And it's like, okay, um, some of the things that come through, I or many of the things that come through, I could not possibly make these things up or know these things. And I think that evidence is the key to taking what we do in the paranormal, parapsychological, spirit communication field out of the fringe element and That's into right. the mainstream. When, when you discuss, uh, Dr. Hilton, about working in the laboratory, could you, could you explain, could you expand on that more? Well, laboratory could be anything from uh, investigating material that you have gathered from the environment. Uh, it could be a uh, laboratory, it could be just also working at science lab, um, reviewing correlations from interviews. For example, it could be something just basic as me conducting research on psychability with a couple of clients, uh, 50, uh, 50 clients doing uh, correlations like that. I just want to definitely specify on that because like I said, when people hear parapsychology, they automatically run to ghost chasers. That's <laughs> right. And that's, and that's not true at all. Um, dealing with, like I said, when dealing with psychology, you could be a, a behaviorist, you could be clinical, you could be experimental. There's so many different ways, but parapsychology itself is just a focus that I have chose to focus in because of the realm that I deal in. But I want to piggyback off of bringing paranormal science, the actual scientific aspect to mainstream science. I think it's something that it should be spoken more of in colleges yeah. and, and high schools. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And let me tell you why. I, my mom was one of those people where uh, people thought she she lost her mind. And so they drugged her until she killed herself. And, you know, one of the things that I think you hit the nail on as far back as we've been able to write. And I mean, way back. I can get all biblical on you about this. There you go. Absolutely. Right? I, I really can. Because when you read some of the things in scriptures and other other traditions, other spiritual and religious traditions, there is a reoccurring theme. And please, Dr. Hilton, you know, I'd like you and Mark to weigh in on this. But both of what you do, there has been a reoccurring theme for as far back as we can yeah. remember or record about stories that have been documented, some of them in glyphs, about having an experience that the physical world can't explain. And yet here we are beating the doors down in the halls of science to say, hold up people, come on, what kind of evidence do you need to take this seriously? I don't know, what do you two think? Oh, well, absolutely. I I could not agree more because, all right, doc, Dr. Hilton, his background has the pyramids and I this, this couldn't be more appropriate for this discussion <laughs> Because since the dawn of human history, there have been accounts of people who have communicated with spirits, who have had 
prophetic visions where they're seeing the future, near-death experiences have been documented for thousands of years. They didn't know what to call them. People would die, then they'd come back to life. They would resurrect with these stories of going through a tunnel into the light. I mean, Plato's Republic, uh, the the myth or the story of the warrior Ur who dies and then comes back to life. And everything he talked about was what we now know as all factors of near-death experiences. But then there's people who say, well, um, people of faith will, will reject that. So apparently, according to a lot of, in my opinion, um, a narrow-minded, religious-infused viewpoints is that um, spirits only talk to people two thousand years ago, but they don't do so now. And well, and I think and that's and we know from all of us, um, all the work that we've done, that's absolutely ridiculous. That that's my take, um, Doctor Hilton. What what do you think? Well, uh, touch on the the biblical and the religious community, for example. I think that when people get saved and come to Christ, I think that's a paranormal experience. When you yes. go to church and you see people that turn their life over to God and church, it's usually because something magnificent doesn't happen to them. Maybe they heard God's voice. Maybe they, they were saved from some horrific incident that it only had to be God. Like, have you ever heard a story about a guy that said, I was uh, in a convenience store that was getting robbed and someone pulled the trigger and I should have been dead, but the bullet, like it went through me. And I never was hit. It had to be, you know, God, an act of God. Um, somebody that unfortunately might have dodged from being in the towers at 9-11 could have been an act of God. Maybe, maybe they heard a voice that day that said, hey, take a different route. And they got stuck in traffic and they didn't make it um, to the towers in time for work that day. And they dodged them from getting killed. So I think anything for the religious community, if there's people out there that are saying that, um, I think to have a relationship with God and the higher power and source is paranormal in itself. It's the unexplainable. Oh, uh, I yes, yes, and and certainly. And when I'm talking about narrow-minded people, I'm talking about the intolerant right. people because absolutely, I, I'm I'm a man of faith. I start all of my my uh, private sessions and group sessions with a prayer. Doctor Pat and I, we um often uh, always we talk about God. We talk about the mm -hmm. higher power, um the the energy of love. And I think parapsychology is taking an established scientific discipline and letting it, people know that it's a more open-minded field. Because Absolutely. as both of you, I've worked with Dr. Pat long enough, and I know you, uh, I believe well enough, uh, Dr. Hilton, to know that both of you in your psychological practice have encountered things which defy textbook explanation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the metaphysic component to parapsychology in itself, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's where the thought that, that's where I think, let me just use my language. The stumbling block has been for the academic world. It's because they, they for some reason, they can't wrap their minds about it. I mean, there have been authors that have come out and talked about the gap between what we're seeing in our pop culture, right, Doc? What we're seeing, both Docs, what we're seeing in our pop culture and the rise. I mean, if you are not aware of the rise of, let me just call them paranormal topics. Let's just say that. Absolutely. Just, just say that. I, I don't care what you want to call it that fits under that, but the rise has been exponential. And even when Hollywood went through a tough time and shut down, and you saw the kind of TV series, films, 
that were made on these live streaming service. What were they? I mean, the three of us know what they were. And somebody would ask the question, why is that? Why? Why are we so interested in it now? I'd like to hear from you guys about that. Uh, yeah, Dr. Hilton, um, why do you think, what is with the upsurge in fascination with the paranormal? From my perspective as a medium, people come to me because they're in such a state of grief. They want me to facilitate communication with their loved ones in spirit. But let's take it away from the mediumship aspect. How? What has your experience been? Why is there such a fascination in mainstream pop culture now with the paranormal? Uh, you're absolutely right. There's been a, a boom in the paranormal realm, uh, like we've never seen before, because these topics were discussed back in the 80s and 90s, but in today's time, it is on the front line and center. Yeah. And I think because the stigma has been removed. Yeah. You know, back in the day when you talked about these topics, people like, oh yeah, that guy was smoking reefer with Elvis. <laughs> that, was, that was the stigma, right? But now you have law enforcement turning to psychics. You have government talking about paranormal situation or research studies that was conducted that's being released now to the public. So right now what you're witnessing is sci-fi sci has become reality now. For example, with UFOlogy, the government now talking about UFOs. Yes. I mean, this, this is this is a phenomenal experience. Just not our government, because you look at South America, they've been leading the pack and being transparent about UFO technology. This is reality conversations we have in modern day time. The stigma has been removed. Yeah, yeah. Chile, from what I understand, has the most documented, most documented sightings. I mean, Chile, right? That country that just yes. kind of goes all the way down there. And, you know, you know, to your point, I want to just be clear to our public what we're talking about, because I made a statement the other day and I got three emails. And honestly, when I get three emails, that's a lot. Uh, actually, when I get three emails that actually make it to my inbox, that's a lot. <laughs> and I made a statement about Dune, the movie Dune, right? Mm. And the books, which came out way back, like yeah. before <laughs> any of these actors. And, and I said, because there was a debate, is Dune fantasy or sci-fi? I said it was paranormal. And that did not sit well with people. And then I went on to talk about, I said, how many, how many supernatural abilities in the Dune universe can you pinpoint? How many things can you pull from that very pop culture-y even way back? And see, I think this is what's happening. I think people will agree with us if they understood and knew how to identify them. Can we talk about that? Right. Because when you say paranormal, you're right. People go to like ghosts or they go to the exorcist. But right. the subtleties that describe paranormal, they are popping up every day, aren't they? I think paranormal and metaphysics is starting to pop up everywhere. Yeah. Uh, people are understanding the deeper levels of meditation and how to tap into higher dimensions. Uh, that's becoming annoying. People also is seeking higher level of consciousness. They're breaking away from the dogmatic norms of what was being taught to us in previous generations. Uh, that, that's been my experience as well. People, it, people are not turning away from God. No. They're turning away from what you said, Dr. Hilton, dogmatic institutions. And I don't want to crash on religion because no. religion theoretically in, in its in its most pure sense, serves a very beautiful and val valid purpose. The problem is 
um, a lot of the people that that hijack it and use it for their own purposes. Um, you know, like what we're seeing with Israel and Hamas right now, we have a bunch of, you know, religious fanatics being funded probably by Iran, which is a government filled with religious fanatics that that is creating all this discord. And yet that we call that area the Holy Land because three of the world's great religions, Judaism, Christianity and Islam are all linked there. And if if all these people would actually start listening to the teachings of the religions, there wouldn't be war. So, so in that sense, religion serves a beautiful purpose. It's when people use religion to as a moral justification for their own ego, edging God out, mm-hmm. ego-driven political agendas, that's when it goes sour. So people are now looking for that connection to the higher power, and they're doing it through meditation, they're doing it through um, some people are experimenting with the the, the uh, psychedelics. Um, I don't approve of that. I'm going to go on record and say that. Mm-hmm. I think we have everything that we need already in us to connect with the higher power. There are colleagues in my field who do disagree with that. But the thing is, the what the paranormal is actually normal. The supernatural is actually natural. But we've now gotten to a point where it's gone from fringe to pretty much mainstream acceptance. What's what's your take on that, Doctor Hilton? Well, you know what, and just to remember, when I when I talk about dogmatic, I know at times we think about dogmatic in terms of religious terms. I'm talking about dogmatic in societal terms of our <laughs> daily. Like, think about this. Look, look where we at today. Look at this panel in itself. The diversity, diversity in perspective, experiences, gender, race, everything. This is a different cultural norm that we have broken away from if you looked at us in the 70s or 80s. Yes. Societal dogmatic term. And I think that as humans, that we are all spiritual vehicles now in a modern day time. And th- the fact that we're all sitting at this table like this, it shows that there's a higher level of consciousness that society is tapping into. Um, we're leaving the 3D and we're going into the fifth dimension. And and they, and just to tap on something, after COVID, there was an article that was written uh, talking about paranormal, actually. After uh, COVID, they said there was a drastic rise. The Vatican stated this, a drastic rise in uh, demonic possessions. Now, even though we have the higher side of positivity and positive energy and light that people are tapping into, there's also the darker side that is creeping up, too, because I think that we're our, as spiritual beings, we're opening up these gateway portals uh, as a whole, whether it's good or bad. And, and that's why we're having these conversations a day more than ever. Um, well, hope I didn't get too freaky there. No, <laughs> no you didn't get too freaky. No, I'm no, sorry no, about that. Like, uh, I want to no, too That's not freaky at all. Hey, look at a month after I graduated from my school in California, the 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 what former advisor became the dean, and he saw me with a picture with my hands out and two stones in it. And he said they were crystals. He blacklisted me from working with any students because he thought I was holding crystals. Now, I have a lot of crystals. They weren't crystals. But you see, a school that I graduated, by the way, I graduated with that school from that school. My dissertation won honors. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do, because there are going to be people like that that see a picture of you and say crystals are bad. And, and like, seriously speaking, it reminds you of how progressive we become and how archaic we still are in our beliefs, right? Yeah, crystals are bad. And what was the first radio 
a piece of quartz <laughs> crystal with copper wire running low levels of electricity in it. And now we also know that the pineal gland in our brain, which is behind the center of our forehead, about four Absolutely. inches in, the pineal gland has calcite and magnetite crystals. This ties into my electromagnetic soul theory. Also, everything with our brain involves brainwave frequencies and this is how we're we're communicating with spirits. So there is a physics explanation, not a ooh, mm. you know, wooky spooky. Right. Um, so, all right, I gotta ask since we got on the topic of exorcism. All right, you're studying exorcism. Well, um, uh, before we get into that, it's the 50th anniversary of the release of uh, William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist. All right, and I remember. Um, being a teenager and it had come out again it did its second run you know teenagers we'd all go to the midnight movie and then you know we we're horrified couldn't sleep when we got home all right um first off have you seen that movie and if so do you feel there's any anything realistic about it uh well i've definitely seen the original one and emily roll i haven't seen the new one yet it's on my bucket list this week to go see um yeah i mean like you got to look at it. We're looking at it from what we saw in, in the original one, but there's demonic possessions in every culture. And I think the experience is also unique and different for every culture too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, my table tennis partner is from India. That particular practice of spirituality have something like 98 or 99 million deities. And what fascinates me about what we're talking about today is what you both have said, and I want to go back to it, metaphysical spirituality in the world we live in today has been demonstrated to improve lives. Yes, And absolutely. yet we're still battling that conversation. Is it just a semantic thing? Do you think if we actually understood the language or what we were talking about, people would say, yeah, I believe that. What do you think? What do you think, Mark? Yeah, Mark. Well, I've come into, con I've actually witnessed an Good exorcism move. when I was in the Amazon. And, and I wrote about it in my book, Evidence of Eternity. And I was part of an expedition. We were going up the um, Urubamba River, which is Ooh. a tributary of the uh, of the Amazon. And I mean, talk about the deepest, darkest, jungliest, you know, place ever. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm on this research vessel. It's got about a dozen crew and a dozen passengers and all these canoes come up and the native uh, indigenous folks, um, they were talking in, in uh, it was Amara. They were speaking Amara. And uh, our guide said that the Brujo is in the village around the bend and he wants talks to ghosts there. And that's what all the locals were calling me. And I remember one of my friends goes, is that like dances with wolves? <laughs> you know, and, I, and we were laughing about that. So so we go to the village and the witch doctor was there. And, you know, and I was expecting some guy with like chicken bones in his nose. Right. He's standing around wearing a T-shirt and he was like a Chicago Cubs baseball cap, you know, but but we were still in a village with no running water, no electricity. Uh, the people were, you know, not really wearing much in the way of clothes. And uh, they took us, uh, and only a small group uh, went with us because uh, most of the passengers were afraid. And I was there with an orthopedic surgeon and his wife. 
and we called them Thurston and Lovey because his name was like Thurman, and they looked like they really did look like Thurston and Lovey from um, Gilligan's Island. And he talked like this, and and his wife was like, "Yeah, this is simply fascinating to see the exorcism," you know. And then there was this botanist with me, so we're in this hut, and the brujo he's he's chanting and he's pouring all these liquids on this woman's back and he, and um she was probably about 23 24 and her husband was there and what looked like her mother and and outside of the the um the hut there's like 100 villagers and they're all like, trying to listen and he's pouring these liquids on her back then slurping them off and and he spit this gelatinous glob in his hand and I'll never forget love he's like oh it's simply dreadful i mean i'm trying not to laugh and he throws it into the fire, and then he said something to our guide, and everyone's looking at me, and he said, talks with ghosts, are the devils gone? And everyone's looking at me, and the botanist next to me, and I'll put it in G-rated language, she goes, Mark, don't screw this up, that's not what she said. <laughs> and I said, um, there are no, no evil spirits here. What was going on? is the orthopedic surgeon realized that this young woman had a herniated disc and it was a pain and an illness. She looked perfectly fine, but this horrible pain. And so they didn't understand what it was. So naturally it was a demon. And then he pulls out this bundle of, 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 of leaves and the botanist goes, oh my God, no. I go, what is that? She goes, it's the Amazonian version of, of poison ivy. And he starts whipping her back with it. And we're seeing the wealth forming. And he goes, she will feel better in two weeks. And I remember the surgeon going, well, she couldn't possibly feel worse, you know? So what they did is he performed this ritual saying that he cast out the devil. Then he covered her in poison ivy so she would feel absolutely miserable. And then when the poison ivy subsided naturally, in, in a couple of weeks, she'd still have the pain, but it wouldn't be as bad, you know, because I remember like we're going in this exorcism and I'm a science guy, but all of a sudden I'm sitting there and my Catholic upbringing goes, well, what if this is a real, you know, a real demon? But in that case, as far as those people in the village were concerned, it was, was a group of demons, but the surgeon realized, no, he goes, I've, I've operated on a thousand of these and it's a herniated disc. So, so um, in that case, it was ignorance and fear, which demonized something which we can now explain through science. And uh, Rocky and I, um, we've been on a number of paranormal investigations where a lot of people are going, demon, 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 and we're finding their elementals and other non-human spiritual intelligence. They aren't, they're not evil. They're just different. So so that's what I think. And I know that's a long story, but but hey, it's the Halloween show. So yeah. uh, so Dedrick, what what is your experience with with exorcism? Well, let me tell you, first off, uh, you touched on something which I'm going to elaborate on. I want to say this for the record. Not everyone's possessed by a demon. My background is, is in psychology and clinical study. I worked at Department of Mental Health as a clinical counselor. I worked as a family therapist. And, and I make sure I go, go in, we do an assessment first, an actual assessment. You have to conduct a behavioral assessment to see if the person had a history of drug usage. Um, then when you go to their house, you want to check to see if there's any type of gas or anything leaking around that could trigger hallucinations. But I'm just saying, sometimes how I got accepted into this seminary and the study actually was because of my clinical background and my psychological background, because I'm coming in as Archbishop 
Nicholas Cachero said, he said, you're coming in with a, a perspective where you can look at it and see objectively if this is a psychological issue or is it really something spiritual? So everything is not always a demonic possession. Uh, is is uh, demonic possession real? Yeah, but there's also levels to it too. I mean, sometimes it's not about the twist in the body and somebody's vomiting and throwing up. Uh, sometimes it's just, for example, it could just be your character to be very low vibrational um, and evil and wicked. Sometimes your environment could play a role in it. To some people it's survival, some, to other people it's savage. Uh, for example, I had a school, high school reach out to me recently and they said, hey, look, we found you online. We want you to come, we wanna to talk to you about a situation. And long story short, it was kids exhibiting some very low vibrational, could be in South Carolina here, which is the Bible Belt, uh, evil situ behavior characteristics. What I found out was that the kids were going to sleep on a group chat at nighttime. Twenty <laughs> of them on this chat, right? Three of them wise guys playing some power, some evil power suggestion book thing that they had on YouTube that they found. Yeah. And it was telling the kids that demons were consuming their minds. And it was like one of these like books that last for like three hours on YouTube video. So basically it was getting into the kids' subconscious and they're listening to this in this group chat for like about a month. So obviously you listen to this at nighttime, just like if you fall asleep to listen to Spanish phrases and words, eventually subconsciously it, it seeks into your mind. And this was having a psychological impact on the kids' behavior. And that's what it was. When we started doing a correlation and, and talking to the parents that was involved with the children, that's, that was the correlation that we found. Once we removed the phones from them at nighttime, within three weeks, two weeks, it, the kids' behavior subsided. But I still believe demons exist because I do have stories about a possible yeah. demonic possession that I witnessed. Yeah. Well, I want to take a short break because mm -hmm. I want to really get into this more. Thank you for sharing that story. Uh, the reason I did not go full, full bore studying of clinical in the state of Washington, they didn't allow me to say the word spirit or spirituality. I couldn't even say astrology. So I decided I cannot, I cannot do that. I cannot work in a realm where the reality of spirituality exists and not being able to use that language. Because even in our assessments, right, behavioral assessments, we look for those things. But we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to tell you how you can plug into Hilton Live Paranormal News, a whole bunch of other things. And Mark and I are not done with the questions. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Transformation Network show, The Psychic and the Doc. I'm Mark Anthony J.D., Psychic Explorer, and my incredible co-host, Dr. Pat Basili. We have the honor today of interviewing Dr. Dedrick Hilton, world-renowned parapsychologist, spiritualist, and in uh, Dr. Hilton, how do people find out about you? How do they get in, uh, in touch with you? Okay, uh, you could definitely find me on the Facebook under my name, Dedrick Hilton. You could also uh, email me at HiltonLiveParanormalNews at gmail.com. And you can just find me on social media, Facebook, message me. I'm I'm approachable and we'll go from there. And when is you have a, a show on, on air as well? How can people tune into your show? Correct. Uh, I stream on Facebook Live and Rumble. Once again, that's Facebook Live and Rumble. You could download it on your smart TV and watch it just like YouTube. 
So we have Hilton Live, Paranormal News. We also have Unseen Realms and the new show that we've started, which is Divine Encounters TV. When we uh, went to break, you were talking about exorcism. And you said you've encountered what you believe to have been real demonic entities. Can you share some of that with our with our audience? Right. Uh, I'll tell you this much. What I experienced at the young lady house, I was called out to Atlanta. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't all based around her as an individual. Why I believe it was a demonic force taking place because she complained about maggots forming on her food and so forth. And when we arrived there, my sister and I. Uh, she bought groceries. She came in the house with them. We spent the night there with her and showing up in the morning time, maggots was forming on her food. Spiritual warfare is very real. Long story short, we uh, went ahead and performed a baptism with her. And that's when her eyes started changing. Her voice started changing and she became super strong and physically aggressive. Uh, we were performing a baptism in her, in her tub they try to like pray over her. And what I witnessed with her body and her strength, it felt like I was wrestling with like maybe four or five guys that was like 250 on a wrestling team. Wow. Long, uh, long story short, we also did an investigation and assessment with her boyfriend that she was dating at the time. And he noticed these behaviors too. Was the baptism successful? She hasn't experienced any more maggots on her food or anything like that in the last like three years. So I take it that it's successful, but sometimes these spirits do come back. If uh, Once you pray for them and they come to God and they give up that lifestyle and they go back to doing what they're doing or playing with situations that open portals up or gateways, yes, these uh, demonic entities can return back. Wow. Ooh, this is the best Halloween show ever. Um, I think that, you know, when I think about all the things that I, I could talk with you or ask you about today, um, I, I want to know what you're planning. See, I think it's great we catch up on all you've done. I want to know what's up, what, what is going on up here. Like, if, if you had this bottle, let's say a genie came out of the bottle and you're rubbing the bottle, I want to know what would be your top three things you'd like to get to work on okay top three things okay I'm, I'm only talking from where i'm standing at right now today of course uh top three thing i would like to have um i like to be on a larger platform discussing these topics obviously because we, we discuss them within our community i want to bring it to a broader level uh to definitely complete my seminary, which I should be done this year, uh, hopefully, in the priesthood. Um, not just for exorcism, but just to be a priest in general. That's mm -hmm. something that I'm passionate about in, in general. Uh, and three, I don't know. I think I have to save that third one, you know, keep tucked away in my pocket. Always so, a good idea. Always a good always idea. Yeah. It yeah. is. It's always a good idea. Um, but, you know, the future here is really unlimited to what's possible in this realm, because there's so much that we now know there's so much out there. People talk about this all the time. And yet it's, I believe, one of the most misunderstood uh, conversations. Yes. What yes. do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, talking about these topics, especially like UFOs or 
biblical prophecies, you'll be labeled a conspiracy theorist and so forth. So I make sure when I do my shows, I, I come with facts. I come with presentation of evidence. That's why I show these clips and videos. Um, like one show I talked about something about executive orders and that ups that it could potentially rattle a couple of people feathers. And I said, well, did you watch the show? They're like, no, I'm like, okay, that's all right. But uh, then once they watch it, they say, I have to apologize. I, I, I Googled the executive orders and they're real. And that's why I'm talking about. You have to be able to bring truth to people yeah. on a greater level with facts and the receipts, the data. Yeah. Speak Go, go Mark, ahead, Dr. Penn. Mark and I did a show when we found out in the United States of America, the release, the special project release documentation. And we did a number of interviews, a number of shows. And one of the question marks I, I had when they released that, they limited the dates by which the information was gathered and what they released. And, and we couldn't understand that. It's like, why did you only say you were going to release information based on, I think it was 1980 or something, you know, it, it, whenever, whenever a government does that and they're like, I'm only, I'm only going to get, I don't think they're thinking, oh, people can't handle it. I'm thinking they're thinking, oh, we're not sure we want to release this. It's the oddest thing for me to understand withholding information on this. I, I cannot make sense of it. It is one of the most talked about conversations, UFOs, I just don't get what could be so seriously, whatever you want to call it, yeah. not to have been released. It's just mind boggling for me. What do you two think? I, I'd never understood withholding it because the the standard line is it'll cause worldwide panic and upset. upset. Really? Could the world be worse than it is right now? We've got, you know, uh, an unnecessary European war caused by a narcissistic sociopath. We have another one in in uh, Israel with Hamas. We've got them uh, with Yemen, um, all over Africa, throughout Asia. China's threatening uh, another war. Maybe an invasion of Haiti. Invasion of Haiti. Maybe an external threat might actually get us to stop trying to kill each other and say, "Hey." Let's work together. I've never understood it, Dr. Pat. Uh, Dedrick, what, what are your thoughts on this? Well, the, the reason for the limitation is because you have the powers of be that that uh, want to stay in control. And the technology that that's out there could uh, revolutionize the way humanity lives. Like you said, it could cut down on these wars and everything. This technology is so advanced that these crafts have, it could reduce homelessness. It could cut down on how we use energy today. That means you'll run billion dollar industries out of business by releasing some of this technology. Uh, also, it will challenge religion, to so to speak. Like, for example, the whistleblower stated that the first craft was retrieved by the Vatican in Italy and before Roswell. And they told the United States to come get this craft and hide it. And the church told him, said, don't put this out because this came from somewhere else. And right now, you're talking about 1920s, the, what we believe about God and humanity, it, it was, you know, very traditional culture back then. It would have rocked. People might, might not have been ready for it, but people today are ready for it, and they're still leaking it because of a control factor that's taking place. Uh, China has a craft. Mexico just put out, and they passed a bill, because you saw the, I don't know if you guys saw the bodies that they retrieved. Yeah. 
Right. Well, people question it if they were fake. Come to find out they was real. They said it was not made from animal bones. The second week, they had another scientist do research on them. So that Mexico is passing a bill now as the first nation to say that they actually retrieve and have alien life form bodies. So you're talking about science. Yeah. You're going to have to yeah. alter science now. Um, yeah. I had the honor of getting to know and actually to interview on a podcast I was working on, Calvin Parker. And uh, I know you're familiar with him. He he died recently. And 50 years ago uh, this month, he and he was 19 years old and his 42-year-old friend, Charles Hickson, they were abducted. And in broad daylight, this, uh, he, he said, it's about 100 foot long. Um, it looked like a football, shiny silver um, object came out of the sky. And these robotic uh, things. He said they weren't creatures. They appeared to be robots, took them on board. And Calvin had been uh, interrogated by law enforcement, FBI. He was uh, hypnotherapy, lie detector, sodium pentothal, everything, and always came up 100% truthful. And he's just one of many, many abductees and, you know, heretofore, people would say they're insane. There was that couple, I think it was back in the, in the late 60s. 50s, early 60s. Yeah, they were a biracial couple. And, of course, that, you know, that was right. used to, to smear them. But but um, why would people make these things up? What What is your what is your take on the abductions? Well, the couple in the 60s, uh, Dr. Stephen Griff stated, he said that was our craft. Because there's a lot of reverse engineering that's been taking place. And, you know, they could they could um, abduct you, some of the abductions, like government crafts and stuff, and eject you with psychedelic drugs. And next thing you know, you're, you're, you're tripping <laughs> heavily. And, and, and I'm not saying alien abductions are uh, not real. They are absolutely real. But I have to also speak about the reverse engineering yes. technology that has taken place that is also, um, for example, the, the Marines went down into Indonesia. They was uh, going through the jungle and everything, and they came out into an open platform, and it was a giant flat disc hovering on a platform. And these guys that was had big, more weapons, high-powered weapons than the Marines, put guns to them, took their IDs, asked them what they was doing there. One of the guys kept it sitting. Now, this is all by Dr. Stephen Greer on the Disclosure Project. These Marines actually spoke. You could go watch his documentary. They, these are real Marines telling the story, too, on stage. And they said when they looked to the left, there were guns drugs and they had humans in handcuffs and they were trafficking them inside this craft he said the craft rose up hovered they told them what you see here you never speak on it and it just shot off in the sky and disappeared so so a lot of these people that turn up missing today in america you probably have them being abducted by reverse engineering crafts and running tests and if we're having any type of interaction with um alien life form whether it's reptilian or nordics or anything else who knows what we're doing to humans that are turning up missing and what deals we're cutting with other life forms. Oh, but the United States government would never experiment on people who didn't know what was happening to them. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah. Tuskegee experiment. Well, I mean, it's mind boggling to me. I mean, especially you brought up Mexico and the discoveries in Mexico. It's fascinating to watch, right? You, you know, at least watch and read the conversations because out of the gate, let's disprove them. Let's come out of the gate and let's say no. Uh, and yet, you know, you're talking about a carbon, you know, a carbon dated body, let's call it for lack of a better word. Um, 
1800 years old, Peru. And yet there's so many things that make sense about finding that if you watch the scientists that have been to these lands and some of the other things they've discovered. Um, what would happen if we opened our minds, Dr. Hilton? What would happen? I think if we open our minds, we'll experience a higher level of consciousness that we'll never have experienced before that could also counter the toxicity that exists amongst humanity today. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and once again, that would threaten control in the world order. It always seems to come back to this control. Um, why religion, so many uh, re religious people, oh, no, there can't be life on other planets. Really? Look at the stars. And um, I mean, it is it's rather naive, if not downright egotistical to think that we are the highest form of intelligence in not just the universe, but the multiverses. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. And with the advances in the space telescopes, the Webb telescope and certainly the Hubble, we're detecting planets that seem capable of supporting life, in, at least as we know it. So it is absolutely ridiculous to think that we're the only intelligence in the universe. And then there's all these people all over the world uh, talking about abductions and the sightings. Um, and what was the name? Uh, Grush was it? David Grush? Um, Not the, Stephen Grush. Oh, Grush. The congressional hearings. Grush. Grush. The yeah. congressional hearings. Yeah. Saying that we have um, non-human biologics, um, also technology from crash sites. The U United States government understands these things, knows these things. The British supposedly recovered a crash uh, in northern England. The, uh, the Russians. Yeah, the Russians. I mean, uh, it's not just a. Uh, thing in Ro I mean, I got a lot to say about Roswell too, but um, it, it all comes down to there's fear of losing control um, of of this world order, which is really sick and dysfunctional. I think. Oh yeah, there's no question about. It. I mean, you know, this one situation we're talking about in Mexico and the testimonies that are going on. Grush was there too, but here's the thing: now what they're doing is they want to uh, provide criminal charges. <laughs> they're like, why did you take them out of my country? I mean, why? Probably because you've totally denied all along that anything like this exists. And, you know, so it's interesting. The reason I asked the open minded question, because there are more there are more arguments at this about what we shouldn't do, what doesn't exist, who should be criminally charged than actually getting to the science. And I will say, I think it was Graves you know, that talked about the fact that they want to explore these, they want to see the science. Can we do more research? But this is the kind of banter that has been gone on for thousands of years on this topic, right? I think that uh, they have done massive research already. What, what you're looking at is legislation and bills that are being passed with it that makes them become more transparent about the research that they have been doing for over the, uh, the last few generations. And like I said, like, you know, other countries have these crafts, other countries have documented. I mean, if you look at, if you read Columbus diary, he talks about yeah. objects shooting out the Atlantic ocean up into the sky. So, yeah. I mean, it, it go, if you look at, read your Bible, the book of Ezekiel, the spinning. Oh wheel. yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. Um, they're there. They're on the walls of the of the uh, pyramids, pictures of them. Uh, they're there, and we're not the only ones that's here. Um, the whistleblower also talked about how they're traveling, how they're uh, coming through portals and gateways, and how someone could project 3D images of themselves from the, of their craft from space to down here, which could lead to a whole other topic about a possible mm -hmm. even stage UFO invasion by the powers that be. Yeah. Well, holographic I mean, technology. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to beat this thing to death, but I was fascinated when I read the books Dune, when I mm. read them, read them back back in the day, let's call it fascinated. But the one thing that you just said that was recurring through that is a portal and the portal that was created came from spice. It came from a dust off of, of a desert planet. But the whole idea, so you have to, I always ask myself this question, how does a guy like that, that writes a book like that, how does he come up with those ideas? And I've always ended up with, you can't make some of this stuff up. Some nope. of it has got to be embedded, right? Yeah, you never know who you spoke with. You never know, ne never know, because it's just too familiar to some of the conversations we're having now you talk about a guy that writes a book almost, you know, like a century ago or so, or so, but writes a book that was so far futuristic. And yet here we are talking about portals, right? And portals well, are I mean, very real. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, yes, they are. And that's um, according to the, um, it's called the Alcubera um, metric. And the Alcubera metric says that if you can create a warp field, all right, and then, of course, you know, we think Star Trek and all that, but um, an energy bubble around a spacecraft, you can then cause a warp, a fold in space-time, so that a craft can literally jump from one coordinate to another instantaneously. Because according to Einstein's theory of relativity, nothing can go faster than the speed of light, but also according to Einstein and every legitimate quantum physicist since then, that's right. you can create this fold in space-time. So you're not going faster than the speed of light. They're simply jumping from one coordinate to the next. And uh, scientists say this is possible. It's just that human technology is not yet capable of doing this. But these visitors from other off-world locations are so a ufo is not a tin can flying through space for a thousand no. years it's an interdimensional vehicle that's able to jump from one coordinate to the next that's that's the theory in fact uh we had on the show uh dr hilton we had dr uh colonel dr john alexander who was head of the u.s military's ufo project back in the 70s and he said back then we figured that's what they were doing and everything I've heard since then indicates that's what they're doing. But they yeah. can't be perfect because if we're finding bodies and crash sites, I guess they're imperfect like humans and they have lousy drivers too. Yeah, and, yeah. and you don't know what technology we have gathered that could penetrate their speed and track them down and shoot them down. But, you know, about the portal thing, uh, I want to tell you about this. Also, one of the greatest portals that exists of all time is the one in your mind. Oh, yeah. I travel this in your mind, the gateway. And I have a theory about people that are abducted or encounter these uh, aliens at nighttime and when they're deep in REM sleep. 
have maybe they mind open up a level of a gateway of consciousness that invited them in and could it be like a whole metaphysical spiritual experience that they're having on these crafts yeah i mean we've come wow. a long way i mean this hour has gone so quickly and i agree <laughs> we're going to have to have you come back because i too believe that i've always asked myself a question you know especially because we had to study the mind so to speak in psychology but I, I've often wondered why just seven or ten percent. And you know, some scientists came out and said that's not true. We use our whole mind. I don't think we do. No, I don't. But think you know, I, I mean, no. seriously speaking, <laughs> but, yeah, I think we should all go watch the movie Lucy. Then we'll there you go. That. Exactly. Then we'll yeah. go um, figure that out. Yeah, I, I used uh, to be in criminal law. I can tell you, most people don't use one <laughs> percent of their brain. <laughs> it's one p.m. I haven't even used all my mind yet. Yeah, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm sure that today I just had a couple more percents just get kicked in. Look, we know this. I would love to invite you back. I mean, I got hooked on reading. And if, and if y'all have it ready, go ahead and Google Gerald R. Ford. Remember Gerald Ford, when he was House Republican leader, there is a special memo from March of 1966 that was a press release that they were going to put out. It was a press release about a UFO sighting. And I often wondered... Wow, we made it to the point where we can now get our hands on things that so many people were categorized as not mentally well for, right? A lot of people categorized in that classification. And here we had a government that literally knew this. Now, I'm not saying that about Gerald Ford or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But there's so much more we can talk to you about. I want to ask you again, please tell everybody how we can find out more about what you do, how we can plug in. I know I signed up. Uh, please tell us. Uh, follow follow Hilton Live Paranormal News on Rumble TV. And you can also follow me on Facebook Live, too, under uh, Dedrick Hilton. You'll see my banner that says Hilton Live Paranormal News. Mark, oh. take us out. I want to wish everyone a safe and happy Halloween, um, because really the scariest things we encounter are other human beings. And this is a time when a lot of people like to party. So if you're going to drink, do not drive uh, from a uh, practical standpoint. An Uber, a Lyft or a taxi is about $10,000 cheaper than a first DUI. And then if you are behind the wheel of a car and you kill somebody, there is no amount of money that is going to, to repair that. So um, I want everyone to be respectful and, and safe this Halloween. And Dr. Pat and I will be back next week for another episode of The Psychic in the Dock, and we will be taking your calls. Thank you, everyone. This is Transformation Networks, The Psychic in the Dock. Thank you, Dr. Dedrick Hilton. And we'll see all of you next week. Hey, everybody, thank you for tuning in to The Psychic in the Dock with Mark Anthony and me, Dr. Pat Basile, right here on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, look, come back next week so we can explore with you more of life's many challenges and learn from fascinating guests. And you know what? Even Mark and me. We'll connect you and discover insights from people in this life and from the afterlife. Extraordinary problems? Yeah, they do. They require extraordinary solutions. But step into the world of possibilities with us on The Psychic and the Doc. That's every Thursday, 
4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TransformationTalkRadio.com. That's TransformationTalkRadio.com. And don't forget, we're also live face-to-face on Facebook.com, Transformation Talk Radio. <laughs> 